All right, if you would, pull out your Baptist faith and message and turn to Article 16. We are toward the end. There are only two more after tonight. Tonight, we're gonna look at Article 16, which happens to be one of the shorter articles, and yet, one of the ones that in some ways um, we know the least about. And I may not be right with that, but that's the way I feel, okay? Article 16 is about peace and war. Peace and war. I feel like as Christians... We know so much about peace. Man, I can name for you 10 Bible verses right now about peace. We know a lot about peace, right? Our leader is the prince of peace. He has brought peace into our hearts, and we praise him for that. But I don't know much or as much about war. I don't even know what all to say about war. And I'm thankful that this Baptist faith and message, this uh, statement of faith that we have as Christians in this denomination of the Southern Baptists, that it speaks to it. Now, it's not a very long one. There are some that are much longer. Uh, even on this page, religious liberty, which is a hot topic these days, is very long. And I'm not sure who's preaching next Sunday night on that, but that is a big one, right? And the one before that, Christian and social order, there's a lot there. The one before that, cooperation, there is so much there. So there's a lot written in these, and perhaps the shortest one of all is peace and war. And maybe that's because peace is such a simple idea right? Minimize conflict and confrontation. And yet war is we don't know that much about what to say. So I want to read tonight, and then I want to show you two passages of scripture that I want us to look at. Article 16, peace and war. It is the duty of Christians to seek peace with all men on principles of righteousness. In accordance with the spirit and teaching of Christ, they should do all in their power to put an end to war. Now let's stop there for just a second. We all knew this before we came here tonight, but it is really good, almost like, let me take a deep breath and just take that in for a second. We are to be about peace. We should want drama and conflict to cease at the dinner table, in our city, and throughout the world. We should be about peace. And this is what the Bible teaches, and therefore this is what our statement of faith says. It's our duty to seek peace. Think about that. So now you see why we read at the beginning, Matthew chapter five, in the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. It is the strategy of God and the work of God that we would bring about peace. And it takes the principles of righteousness, as this said. It takes the spirit and the teachings of Christ, as this said, to be a peacemaker, right? There is something to the power of God working in us that we can de-escalate, that we cannot cause tension to go, all right? We should seek peace, and therefore we should do all in our power to put an end to to war. Does everybody hear that? We don't want there to be war. Okay? When we start thinking about this, this means things like revenge and vengeance should not be of our character. We should not want that. And the Bible teaches against that. Now, I talked about that a little bit today with just uh, slander and speaking about people, but how much further? We should not be fighters. 
There's a time to fight and a time to stand up. But in general, we should not be fighters. I did a funeral recently. And in one of the eulogies that somebody gave, at a funeral, they told two stories of when they had gotten in fights. And they were happy about it. That was one of the best things they could say about the person. At their funeral, recalling two times they had gotten in fights in the front yard with people. And I thought to myself, like, these are people that are thinking really far from how they should be thinking. So we need the spirit and teachings of Christ, as this first paragraph says, to remind us we should be about peace and we should want, not want there to be war. We should want this to end. We should not want there to be any fighting and any conflict. Okay? I think everybody agrees. Everybody knows that. But, and that's a huge but, we live in a fallen world where people do bad things, where evil is going on and something must be done about that, right? We must turn back evil. We must learn to work hard and stand up and defend and fight against evil. And so here is the issue with me saying, well, what do we do about that? Well, look here. Keep going. The true remedy for the war spirit is the gospel of our Lord. The supreme need of the world is the acceptance of his teachings in all the affairs of men and nations and the practical application of his law of love. Christian people throughout the world should pray for the reign of the Prince of Peace. All right, so I just raised the issue that in this fallen world, bad things happen and there is evil out there and it ought to be turned back, okay? But notice that this statement of faith, okay, often going along with the Bible, doesn't really speak to the church being the ones to stop that. Now, I admitted at the beginning that I don't know a whole lot to say about war and what this says. So I want to turn to you to a couple of passages. We're going to get two passages tonight, okay? The first one is at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Let's look there. I told y'all a couple weeks ago that I'm now in a, a new Bible, way different than my last one, and I'm still not very comfortable with it. I, I'm often like on the wrong page, looking at the wrong column. Matthew chapter five, starting verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? 
Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here we have the teachings of Christ. Here we have the spirit of Christ. And here we see the Christian response uh, to evil and to injustice. And we are to see this. This was consistent with what the Baptist faith message says. This is the way that we can promote peace. This is the way that we cannot fight back. And so right here, about halfway through, we need to hear that the Baptist faith and message in teaching us Christians how to be says things like this. We are to seek peace. We want or to end. And we understand that the great need in the world is for people to come to know Jesus, to know that Jesus has removed the ultimate hostility As James has taught us in chapter four, where does all this fighting and quarreling come from? It comes from the sin inside of us, our unnatural desires and passions, and that's where that comes from. And the answer to that, the answer to every problem in the world is for people to come to know Jesus, all right? And we need to see that right here. And I think we all know that. So now it's the second half, and I want you to turn with me now to Romans 13. It's the second half where us Christians, we Christians, need to really, really seek the Lord on understanding conflict or war. The peace side is is very clear to us, but what do we do about it? Well, the Bible speaks often that there are ways to address evil in the world, and it often speaks about the governing authorities answering this, okay? Okay. Read with me at Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse one. Romans 13, beginning in verse one. If you don't know these verses, you really, really, really need to know these verses. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Here, Applied in other, implied in other places, but here we have God's word teaching us that God puts government in place to exercise authority, judgment, and punishment. Okay, God does that. God puts those in place. It says there that they are servants of God, that God puts those in position. They are instituted by God. They are servants of God, this even says, which means we should want any and all government to act in um, as much as possible, act in consistency with the ways of God, the truth of God, the fairness of God, the honesty of God, and the justice of God. We want governments and institutions to be good. We don't want them to be corrupt. We don't want them to be wrong. 
And we see here that they're able to punish. They are able to uh, turn back evil. That's what they do. Notice that this even says that if you do bad, you should fear them. If you don't want to fear them, you should do good. If you do bad, then they are allowed as a servant of God to carry out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Notice that. So some good questions that we need to think about here is, when would we use this authority? When would we want there to go to war? Well, when it is clearly evil that needs to be attacked when it's clearly evil that needs to be turned back, when it's clearly wrong, 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 and an outside force needs to come and do something about it. Now, obviously, that would take a lot of thinking, a lot of planning, a lot of discernment. If you're a Christian, a lot of prayer to know when that should happen. So that should make us think, we ought not to think that war is often the solution. We ought to be reluctant to go to war. We ought to, as this said at the beginning, we ought to hope that war is not the solution, but we must admit that there can be times where war is necessary. If there is such evil going on, to whatever degree that you have to bring the force to turn back the evil, then I think that we think this is necessary. Now, what becomes a big question, I think, Okay, is when and how and to what degree should Christian people be involved in these governing authorities? And on what levels are they okay with it? These are good questions to ask and good things to think about, right? Because we often know that while uh, governing authorities, according to Romans 13, have been put there by God, oftentimes there are actions, procedures, and thoughts inside of those governing authorities that are not in line with God and his ways. And what might a Christian do if they find themselves in that position? I'm all for us encouraging young men in our lives and in our families and in our midst to go into the military. But I think we must say, you've got to be aware and faithful that there may, be, there may come a time in the military as a faithful servant of Christ that the military may ask you to do things that you would not do. And what would happen there? I don't know. But if we are to say, I follow the teachings of Christ, I am about peace, I don't want there to be war, then that's not inconsistent with turning back evil. But we ought to know, like anything else, if the government asks us to go against God in any way and against our conviction and our conscience, then we would not do that. So I think it's interesting that this Baptist Faith and Message says in Peace and War very, very little about war. All it says is we want war to end. That's it, nothing else. But we know there are times when turning back evil must happen. And yet, God seems to be saying that the government will do that. The governing authorities will do that. And that sounds okay, except we know of Christians that get involved in government. 
So what do you do with that? And in the lives that we've lived, we know of people in politics where corruption comes and where character becomes so hard to continue to be upright and upstanding with character. And so while often sermons are supposed to provide answers, I am saying tonight that in this sermon, I am asking more questions. To what extent, to what degree can a believer be this part of Romans 13? Now, at Romans 13, I wanna show you something. I want you to jump back to Romans 12 and see where he comes straight from this. Let's start at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that immediately flows into, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I think we have to acknowledge here tonight that God says there are ways that churches handle evil and conflict, and there are ways that governing authorities handle evil and conflict. And they're not always the same. But we know that people in the church can be in governing authorities. Or, or, or at least we think that they can. Maybe, maybe that ought to be reconsidered. I don't know. But even in saying that, we see here, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves in Romans 12. And we see that the government is able to take out the wrath of God as an avenger in verse four. Does everybody see that? Romans 12, 19, never avenge yourselves. Romans 13, four, uh, he, he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Interesting situation here. With all that said, let's go back to our Baptist faith and message. It is the duty of Christians to seek peace with all men on principles of righteousness. In accordance with the spirit and teachings of Christ, they should do all in their power to put an end to war. The true remedy for the war spirit is the gospel of our Lord. The supreme need of the world is the acceptance of his teachings in all the affairs of men and nations and the practical application of his law of love. Christian people throughout the world should pray for the reign of the Prince of Peace. We know that God changes hearts and lives. And Christian people are to first and foremost be those that share that gospel, preach that gospel. In any situation 
where there has been any wrong done in the world, any evil, any desire that we must have for justice, which we see all the time, we should, listen, first be thinking they need Jesus and I want to tell them about Jesus. He can change lives. We are to preach that message. We are to share that love. And at the same time that we are desiring that, we should also be desiring that the governing authorities would do what's right to turn back evil and stop evil. We should desire that. The Bible teaches that. We should want that, pray for that, hope for that, vote for that, that the governing authorities would stop evil. May God give us wisdom to balance those things, to understand those things. May God give us wisdom to step into those. May we truly humble ourselves before the Lord, as James has said, that we might seek him to know what we should do. May we remember some of the things that we're not looking to fight. May we not be wanting to fight. May we get over fighting back because God has removed the hostility. Instead, may we be agents of peace. As far as it is possible, as far as it depends on us, may we live with peace with everybody because we now have peace with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Matthew 5 and Romans 13, Romans 12 and Romans 13. For the reminder tonight, God, that we're to be peaceful people. When we create peace or work toward peace, God, we are like your children. We will be called sons of God. Father, we pray that you would allow us to know and experience great peace in our hearts from you. God, calm us down. Settle our hearts. Speak peace to us. Comfort us. And Father, from there, may we have wisdom from you to understand government and support of government and the government's power to turn back evil and exercise punishment on wrongdoers. Father, we need wisdom for this. We ask for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. You're dismissed. Have a good night.